Help defend the church by becoming a supporter of 1 Peter 5. Your tax-deductible contributions enable us to continue our work to restore Catholic culture and rebuild Catholic tradition. Make a real difference in the church. Go to 1peter5.com forward slash donate today. You're listening to the 1 Peter 5 podcast. It is a real joy for us to welcome you all here. Rebuilding Catholic culture, restoring Catholic tradition. Today is Saturday, November 14th, 2015. My name is Steve Skojak. I'm the host of the 1 Peter 5 podcast. And this morning in Paris... Over a hundred people are dead following coordinated terrorist attacks throughout the city perpetrated by the Islamic State. This is the continuance of what we have been warning about for some time. We've run a series of articles on Islam beginning on day one of 1 Peter 5, when we launched in August of 2014. We have been trying desperately to get people to understand the nature of this threat and that it is an existential threat to life as we know it in the Western world. One of the great resources that we have found in our attempt To explain this to people is a young man by the name of Andrew Bezed. Andrew is a Catholic who has been studying the Islamic religion for the past 17 years. He has a master's degree in Islamic studies. He has authored multiple books on Islam, one of which we'll be talking about a little bit later on. He is a contributor to 1 Peter 5 and has published some of our most popular articles on the topic of the Islamic threat. He is fluent in Arabic and has committed to memory many of the Islamic texts. He knows this religion inside and out, and he understands better than almost anyone I've met the threat that Islam poses. And with me on the phone right now is Andrew. So, Andrew... Thank you for taking the time to be on with me this morning. It's a pleasure to be with you, Steve. So I wanted to uh, to get your initial reactions on what happened last night. I was up really late, kind of just watching the way people were reacting on social media, interacting with a few people about it. Um, you know, this isn't the first time something like this uh, has happened, uh, but I get the feeling that this one's different. What do you think? Uh, it was It was different in terms of what most people see. But it was actually, I was actually unmoved by it. And I'll tell you why. And people would say, how could you say something like that? It was something so horrible. And the answer is actually very simple. Because what we are seeing right now is the fruition of many years of our kid glove treatment of Islam. And we are seeing the fruits of it in action. People will say, what is Islam? Islam is a religion of peace, a religion of violence. I've been saying it for years, you know, to my articles on peter5.com, to my books that Islam is a religion which denies the human dignity of man. It is inherently anti-Christ because it denies Jesus' divinity and condemns anyone who asserts his divinity. And the religion has taught ever since its inception that its goal is to conquer the world. And it's, it's 
and part of that includes the destruction of Christianity and the Catholic faith. And they have made no bones about this. They've been very consistent in their 1,400 years that this is the goal of Islam. I mean, there is a reason why Muslims have talked about the conquest of Jerusalem, Constantinople, and now Rome. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I think that we're seeing a lot of distraction and dissimulation out there where people are, you know, trying to get us to, to look at Islam as just another set of beliefs. And, and the thing is, though, they, they, they don't recognize the fact that Islam, ultimately, their goal is, as you said, to conquer the world by force, if not through conversion. And people say, say well, this is probably conspiracy. You're fear-mongering. This isn't fear-mongering. You do not have to believe me. I challenge anybody who listens to me right now don't believe a single word I've said. I asked you to go online, or shoot, go to your local mosque if you, if you want to, and just ask to get a copy of the Hadith, which is the Islamic sacred tradition. Get a copy of the Quran, and just read it. Read through it critically. Read the, the life of Muhammad, the, the earliest biography written by Ibn Islam. It is very clear that Muhammad was a mass murderer, a pedophile, a necrophile. He claimed he was possessed by Satan on at least two occasions. And that the man taught that beatitude comes in this life, the acquisition of material goods, which extends into the hereafter, and that any that the ends justify the means. If so long as it is done in the cause of Allah and of his and of his religion, which is, as he would say, Islam. There is no and people talk about the violence in Islam. Why are they why are they violent? I've been saying for years. In Islam, Islam teaches very clearly. Quran, Quran, chapter 50:95, verses 4 to 6. We created man the best of molds, and we obey him to the lowest of the low, except for those who believe in your right deeds, so they shall have a reward in failing. You know, people want to say, people are afraid because they they either chose to be ignorant, they don't know what's going on, or their idea of what they would like Islam to be is coming to be, they're starting to, starting to see, well, that's not, that's not happening. That's not reality. The fact is, well, you're just seeing the application of Islamic teaching in practice. You know, you hear about communists, um, you see the horrors of the communist Eastern Europe uh, of the 20th century and the horrors of communist China. Well, that was the, manifest, the manifested application of communist teachings in practice. When you see the Muslims rioting and burning and looting and raping and screaming, we're going to slit your throats and, and we cannot wait to taste your blood. That is, which they have been saying if you file social media, that is Islamic teaching. And we're all, you're only seeing it now. So that's why I'm unmoved by it. I mean, it disturbs me. I don't like it. I, 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 it bothers me, but this doesn't surprise me. It's yeah. not like it, that's what I was going to ask, is when you say you're unmoved by it, what you mean is that there's no surprise here. This is something that you've right. been expecting, it's, yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's about as uh, surprising as, you know, you know, rain falling from the sky on a cloudy day. I mean, it's what you'd expect. What do you say to people who try to insist that, unlike... Catholicism. There is no central teaching authority in Islam, and so really any imam's interpretation of the sacred texts of Islam are are valid. They can all be competing, and so there really are these peaceful, good Muslims who decide to read the Quran one way, and then there's ISIS that does it another way, and you can't really say any of it is an authentic manifestation. Well, of course there are people who have different interpretations of texts. We have, you know, we have among Christians, you have Catholics and 
we have Catholics, which teach the true faith, and of course you have the how many thousands of Protestant sects, and we don't call it today, but back in the old days they used to call it heresy. You have heresies in Islam, and that's okay to admit that. You have some people who deny central teachings of Islam. That doesn't change the fact that they exist. The basic way, if anybody has any questions about it, whether teaching is Muslim, and the Muslims themselves will tell you this, you, it's, you have to think, WWMD, what would Muhammad do? Because Islam teaches that Muhammad is al-insai al-kamil, the perfect man. Islamic teaching, its, its theology and its application is perfected in the teachings of and the life lived by Muhammad. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is follow Muhammad's life. That is why I emphasize, read Muhammad's bio biography written by his early followers. Watch what he does. What Muhammad does is what a good Muslim must do to gain temporal and eternal beatitude. And that's exactly what ISIS is doing now. Yes. So ISIS, you cannot actually say they're acting in a sinful way as far as it contains to, pertains to Islamic beliefs. They are actually acting in a very pious way. They're being, they're, they are quite righteous in what they are doing. There is no sin in what they are doing. With, with, they are following the teachings of Muhammad. Muhammad should, would be proud of them from his place in hell. And, and I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of um, of history, I mean, what we're basically seeing is that, you know, and I don't know who it is that's that's taking this long view. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of intelligence, I think, in the ground troops of ISIS. But these these attacks, though, are being planned in such a way that they are hearkening back to historical precedent. I don't know if you saw the statement. I know you were wor you were working all night, but they're talking about France being the lead cross carrier of Europe, and that Germany and France are crusader states. They are looking at this through a historical lens, and they tend to do that. Uh, it's very simple with Muslims. You know, a couple of things you'll find when dealing with Muslims are when Muslims, the more faithful a Muslim becomes, as I said, the more he wants to mold himself in the image of Muhammad. Now that means, for the most part, not thinking, because a thinking man. Would, would, would regard rape and necrophilia and pedophilia and mass murder and robbing people for the sake of their treasure because Allah has deemed that they are, because Allah has that they are not human because they are non-Muslims as something barbaric and horrible. A, a thinking man would be more inclined to regard that. Islam does not like thinking. There is a hadith from the Sunan of Abu Dawood where Muhammad actually condemns his followers saying that you are endangering, that you are putting yourselves in hell because you are asking too many questions. Mm -hmm. was the phrase that he used. So thinking is not encouraged that reason. Action is encouraged. Piety is found in the orthopraxy, not within orthodoxy. But as you said, history. Muslims regard everything in terms of history. They see themselves as the end of history. It's not a matter of if the world becomes Muslim and all people either convert to Islam or die or are the perpetual slaves of the Muslims, the non-Muslims, that is, and all properties become Muslim. It is... It's a matter of when Allah decrees it. And they're this not distinction. And they're not just fighting, you know, the the battle in 2015. They're fighting the Battle of Vienna all over again. They're fighting Charles Martel. I mean, they're always looking for the rematch of the battles that have been lost. They're seeking the end of history, and the end of history is found in global conquest of Islam. This is the distinction that Ibn Taymiyyah, the 14th century Muslim scholar, made, building upon previous uh, previous theological work, where he where he where he Again, not creating a new theology, but expounding upon that which has always existed, where he made the distinction between the daughter of Islam and the daughter of Harp. The daughter of Islam is all the people and properties that, that either are Muslim or belong to Muslims. And the daughter of Harp 
is a house of war. It is all non-Muslim people and all non-Muslim properties. And again, the dawn of Islam will, by the divine decree of Allah, will, by the Mashiach of Allah, will assimilate the dawn of harp. It is only a matter of time and when Allah decrees it. And the reason why you have seen so much um, uh, vigor, zeal within the Muslims now is because they believe that Allah is with them. He is fighting with them, they say. And this might be the time when the world is finally delivered into the hands of, of Islam, where when the God of Islam conquers the God of Harb, you will finally have the, the iqama, the establishment of the Dar of the Dar of Salam, the house of peace, where no non-Muslim religion re- remains, where all the pigs are destroyed, where all the crosses are broken, and where all the money is in the charge of Muslim hands. And that is a hadith from Muslim that is often quoted by Muslims. What will happen on the day of judgment? Jesus will return to break the crosses, kill all the pigs, and deliver all and deliver all the money into the Muslims' hands of the world. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Muslim apocalyptic texts are things that I think most of us would probably be a little horrified by. Um, you know, what is it about now, though? What is it about the present moment that makes them feel that Muhammad is fighting on their side? Because they're winning. It doesn't. See, the Muslim the Muslim mind does not think ahead in terms of why is this happening. What matters is, is Allah willing this or not? This distinction is made in Islam. You don't ask why Islam teaches what it does. You don't ask why Muhammad was allowed to have 17 wives, his followers only were allowed to have four, and that's somehow not hypocrisy. Or why it's constantly changing and inconsistent and he's contradicting himself all the time. Exactly. You don't ask why Islam can say that there is no trinity and and Jesus is not the Son of God. That's a horrible thing. If somehow the Quran, as the Muslims assert, is eternal and uncreated, and exists one in being with Allah, distinct, uh, distinct from Him, yet always eternal, which of course is a theology, is simplified, the theology of Jesus' relationship to the Eternal Father. Mm-hmm. You do not ask those questions, you just believe and you accept, and as I said earlier, according to Hadith from Sunan Abu Dawood, you, you put yourself in hell because you ask too many questions. I, I have to say, Andrew, that you know we've seen a number of these types of attacks over the years. Um, you know, nine eleven being the first and most notable. Uh, there had been some before that, but nine eleven sort of being that milestone moment in history. And every time, there's speculation about, you know, is this the beginning of a wave? Is this the beginning of a, a of a new you know reign of Islamic terror? But there is something to me, and, and I kind of just want to get your gut feeling on this. There's something to me about this attack, the way it was coordinated, the way it was multiple locations throughout the city, the way that certain targets of opportunity were hit uh, that had significance. Um, I have this feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, that we, this is the beginning of a wave. We're going to start seeing this throughout Europe. We're going to see this in Rome. We're going to see this in America. Yeah. We're going to see this in New York. We're going to see it in, that, in Tennessee. We're going to see it in Georgia. We're going to see it in Texas, California, Minnesota, Michigan. I don't know if you saw this, but in Michigan, the first majority Muslim-majority town council was ever elected. And the Muslims have already come out publicly and have said that they cannot wait to um, show the Polish what they're, um, the community what they're going to do to them. Mm. They even said that. You can find it online. It has been clearly documented and how the people are horrified saying, well, we have been friends with this, and one of the former council members said, I've been friends with Muslims for so many years. He was always friends to me. Why is he saying this to me now? And because this is the true face of Islam. You can, in Islam, there's a concept called taqiyah. It, it, it's, it, the word is, is the same word as tikva in Hebrew. 
It means piety. And in Taqiyya, it's the theology is about lying to Allah. Because the idea is that one shows one's piety by advancing the cause of Allah by any and all means possible. Remember, the ends justify the means within Islam. Morality does not matter. What matters is the ends and how they justify the means. And if it means that you have to lie, cheat, steal, and deceive for long as being done for the cause of Allah, it is not a sin. So if you have to look at your neighbor and treat them as friends for your whole life, and then once Islam has the chance to attain power, you go and kill your neighbor. There is no, there is no sin in that. This is very hard for people to understand because it is so against Christian teaching. And even if you are a secular person, if you have lived in the West, you have been influenced by Christian teaching. It is so against everything that one would consider to be human. But that is how Islam operates. That is how it is how it is how it has always operated. And I so think for example, it, go ahead. look at the wars in Bosnia. In Bosnia, you had neighbors that lived side by side peacefully for centuries. Then as soon as the um, as soon as Tito died and the country fell into chaos, what happened? You had a war between them. Mm-hmm. M- Muslims killing their neighbors. Why did that happen? Yes, there was ethnic conflict in that. But the fact is, the Islamic theology also played into it because when 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 it, when they had a chance to get power, they take it. What um, I mean, what do you see coming from this? Uh, you know, in in Europe in particular, something that I've been commenting on is that Europe has turned its back on the faith, and now we have a, a pope who refuses to acknowledge the evils inherent in Islam. And and I and I just my concern is that they're going to look at Catholicism, which was formerly the answer. I mean, we were the ones who fought back Islam uh, in the in the Middle Ages, uh, in the Crusades, you know, at the Battle of Vienna. Uh, what what happens now when Europe needs a solution, and religion is not the answer because religion is absurd and it's not taking this threat seriously. Christianity is not taking this threat seriously. Where do we go from here? Well, I can tell you where it goes. You got two choices. This is what's going to happen. Either Europe is going to return the faith, or it's going to become Muslim. There is no middle ground on this issue. It's very simple. Secularism, Protestantism, they ultimately cannot hold water. Secularism offers nothing. And Protestantism, as I said, you know, people don't like it, but it does, it is, it does have erroneous teachings. It is a heresy. And as the Catholic writer Hilaire Beloche pointed out, and by the way, it was not him who actually thought of this thesis. This thesis had actually existed since the 8th century. It was first promulgated by St. John of Damascus, and it was re-emphasized by Blessed Peter, um, the Venerable of Montboise, who was the founder of Islamic studies in the West in the 12th century, and he was actually an intellectual rival of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He said that Islam is the culmination of all heresies. Muhammad is the heresy arc of heretics. Mm-hmm. I believe is the quote that he used. The fact is, you're going to have a lot of people that will simply convert to Islam when they see the power that the, that, that the Muslims have over society. Because it is easier to, well, as we, as we sometimes say in America, you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. A lot of people who are weak-willed will do that. That is why it is very clear. We either have to stand and fight, or we will become them. Stand and fight. Stand and fight with our prayers, and stand and fight with our fists, just as our ancestors did. Now, I wrote my book, Lions of the Faith, Saints, Blessed Tales of Catholic Faith, The Struggle with Islam, which, as you mentioned, is going to be coming out this Monday for the first time on ebook on Amazon. I've, I'm putting it on ebook and I'm lowering the price so I can have people, you know, 
get more copies of it. I want to put it into as many people's hands as I can because of the fact that with Islam, right now, you are seeing something that is... You have to follow the example of the church. What does the church do? We live in a time of diabolical disorientation. Who are the models for the Catholic faith? They're the saints. What do they do? I read about in my book. You had, some, you had a lot of saints who prayed for Muslims and who were martyred, were martyred by them. You also had a lot of saints who went to battle with swords against them and fought them militarily. You had popes, men, women. You know, even in some cases, you had young children fighting these people. And they were all canonized saints by the Catholic Church. That is what we are going to have to do. We either stand up and we assert our faith and the truth that it is, or we're going to turn into Egypt, where we will submit just like dimmies, and we will live a perpetual a life of perpetual submission and squandering until we are eventually exterminated as the Coptic people and as the people in Turkey have, have been nearly exterminated. How, how does that happen, though, in, in, a, in a country like ours where leadership absolutely refuses to even acknowledge that this is the problem, you know, let alone uh, actually take up arms against the aggressor, the actual aggressor? Very simple how that happens, because they don't stand up to it. Islam is actually very, very, very weak. The thing is, Muslims are like, Muslims like fresh blood. If they think you're weak, they will come after you, and they will try to assert themselves. They are scared, actually, of the Catholic faith when it is asserted, and they will complain, and say, oh, you're being racist, you're oppressing us. No, you are the oppressor, because what does your religion say? I have come, what does say? Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor believe in his prophet, nor forbid that which his prophet is forbid, and make the, uh, make the infidels pay an onerous tax until they themselves feel subdued. And again, I could, I could quote again from Arabic and go on. And what does what Muhammad say? Paradise under the shade of swords. Muhammad said what was his greatest wish, that he could come back and be martyred over and over again fighting in the jihad. Mm. This is not... When Muhammad said, I have been commanded to fight against mankind until he professes that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. That is the, that is the shahada, the credo of Islam that a man says when he converts to Islam. Their religion is very clear. There is no debating. What they, there is no de- room for debate because the Muslims themselves have not left room for debate. And Muhammad himself has even said that that he wanted to he wanted to have to make sure he had taught religion that was clear, so man could distinguish between truth and and falsehood, so that man might al-ma'aruf al-munkar to enjoin the man might enjoin the right and forbid the wrong. Does... This is the, the uncomfortable truth that no one wants to hear. You're either going to stand up and pray and fight and join the Catholic faith and assert yourself, or you're going to submit on your knees. Oh, yeah, it's coming. I mean, look at what's happening already in the ISIS-controlled territories. This is, this is coming. This you know, is I- coming to America. It's coming to, the co- coming to your Muslim communities here first. It's going to be here. People think this is an exaggeration. I kid you not. You walk in this country, who would have thought that in 9-11, 
we would have more pro after 10 years of 9-11, we have more pro-Islam sentiment in this country than it's ever been in our history. What's it going to be 10 years from now? Yeah, I don't even know how that's possible. I, I don't know how that's possible. And that's the th So this is the thing. You know, People think, is this the incident that's going to wake people up? Is this the incident that's going to wake people up? And, and it seems like it never happens, but at the same time, Andrew, I got to tell you, I, I, I know you say it's Catholicism or, or you know, dimitude or submitting uh, to Islamic conversion, but I also think there's a real possibility of a rise of a very virulent strain of fascism in Europe very soon. There, there is another possibility, too. But even then, with all the fascism, I still do not believe, and this is, this is my opinion here, I'll just say this, even Europe could, Europe could have a very big um, revival of fascism, but ultimately it cannot stop Islam. That is the great danger of Islam. Islam, fascism, all these European political movements that they've been floating with since they divorced themselves from the Catholic faith, all of them, what are they rooted in? The whims of man, the rights of man, the, the so-called, you know, self-realization of man in some level, the, the divination of man. I mean, I, I'm reminded of the symbol of the European Union where it shows the European nations building the Tower of Babel that came out in 2000-2001. You can find it online. That is what they want to do. They want to make themselves the masters of their own destinies, which, of course, we're not. We all belong to God. Islam, as evil and as reprobate as it is, it pulls its power from a supernatural source. All of its power comes from that. I, again, I see that. I've, I've been working with the Muslims in Islam for 17 years. This is it's more than half my life. And I can say, for a fact, there is a supernatural quality about Islam when you're spending enough time with it. There is something very seductive about it that that the transcends words. It is very simple. It does not make logical sense. But this is how it brings people in. It's not just the money and the power. There is a spiritual quality about it, even within the Quran. The Quran, many people seem to forget. They call it the Holy Text of Islam. It is a channeled book. Just like you'd have some of these New Age books. Some people say they have some angel, the so called angel and the Quran is a channeled book. Yeah, well, we know we know which Gabriel which angel. Gave it to him. <laughs> we know which angel it really was, and it wasn't Gabriel. Yeah, it wasn't Gabriel, right? More like Azazel. But um, you know, it, it, the fact is, this is this this is demonic. And when you're fighting a bunch of people who are going to assault, uh, you know, as the Germans used to say, the triumph des villains, the triumph of the will, over this demonic religion that is very that is by its very nature. Um, conquistatory, and and historically speaking, the Muslims almost never lose, and the times they do lose, it's in a, it's when going to battle against the Catholic faith. Um, that does not bode well for Europe's future. No, it does not. Again, the future is unwritten, but on a on a precedent level, this is this is not a fight. I don't think they're they're going to be able to win. The Europeans, that is. I don't trust Vladimir Putin, but is he potentially an ally in this? Well, this is, I'm, I'm going to go into some, into, into some fiery territory here by saying this. This is all happening very close to the 100th anniversary of Fatima. Mm -hmm. If any country, I will tell you, if there's any country who has the ability to actually stop Islam, the rise of Islam, and actually drive it out, it, both in terms of military, cultural, culturally, um, spiritually speaking, the one who's closest to it is actually Russia. And, and that, that is just an, I, I felt this way for many years. Now, some people say that Fatima has been consecrated. Some people say it has not. I am with a camp that I think it's pretty clear it has not been. 
And if you ask me, this is my opinion. Again, you, people can disagree with me. I don't mind. Consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That will bring about, that could very well bring about the expulsion of Islam from Europe. Because frankly, I don't see how temporal means are going to help. It's Fatima. I, I, would, I, would, I would go so bold as to say it's Fatima or death. Amen to that. What do you think, um, you know, what, what do we see? What, what's coming for Rome, for Rome specifically? Oh, that's obvious. ISIS has made that very clear. I've been on social media. I follow these things. Again, any, any, anybody who has um, the time to look around, you can do it. And it helps if you speak Arabic or if you have some basic knowledge of Arabic, certain words. But um, just look on, look on the feeds. You have, you have Muslims holding ISIS banners in St. Peter's Square outside of the Vatican, taking pictures of the Vatican in the background. They are they are making Photoshop pictures of putting the ISIS flag on top of the Vatican. Mm-hmm. The intentions are very clear. They are going. They are, their goal is to go into St. Peter's, kill the Pope, and take it and convert it into a mosque. That is what it is, and that is the final goal. Even in the Quran, chapter thirty-three, I believe it is. It is called Rome, and the and the which is Rome. How does it begin? Rome is finished. Mm. And there's not, and many, many Muslim scholars believe there are three great cities of the ancient world. Rome, Constantinople, and Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the first city to fall. And then, then they took the new Rome, which is Constantinople. Constantinople called itself the new Rome. The last city to fall in the ancient world that would usher in the that that might usher in the end times, and bring about the global ascent of Islam. Is is Rome, Italy? And this is according. That is why they want it. This is according to Islamic prophecy, right? Yes, yeah. it's according to Islamic, so, Islamic prophecy. So, yes. so we know, we know, Andrew, that this is what they want. But do they have the means to accomplish this? I mean, they've been very effective in the power vacuum that we've created in the Middle East. But what are they going to do when they come into Europe? Are they, are they? Do they have the military capacity? Is the refugee crisis the means by which they sort of come in as a Trojan horse? What are we looking at here? I think. Well, this again. This is my opinion on this refugee crisis. There's these people. There is more than just a movement of people. You have outside people helping them. There are, I would say, criminal. There are criminal elements within the European governments and other governments who are actively helping these people move in. And what they're doing is, again, again, this is a fatal flaw of dealing with these countries, of dealing with any of any country dealing with Islam. You can even see it going back to the to the seventh century. As I mentioned, Muslims put a, a, a value in orthopraxy over orthodoxy. They value the practice more than the belief. You act, you don't think, you act. Therefore, many people have, have correctly noted that Muslims are like a violent mob. They can be directed and controlled like a mob. But that only works to a point, because ultimately, it's not, Islam is not a religion about just being bestial. It is about being bestial, so long as it is following this particular spiritual teaching of Muhammad. It is submission to the teaching that makes it so dangerous. That is where the power, that is where that bestiality comes from. It is also where the power to rise up and overthrow their fallen masters comes from. 
And I say this because you have European nations and other nations, too, that go into these Muslim countries thinking they can turn control Muslim populations out infinitum without, per se, converting them. And that never happens. You know, they can be controlled for a time. But ultimately, they are always driven out because Islam cannot be controlled. It's like I'm at, to quote the, um, the Buddhist monk, Uwirasu, who was known for his protest a few years ago against the Muslims in Burma, he said, you can't sit next to a mad dog. And he, he, he likened continually Islam to a mad dog. Mm-hmm. Because that is what it is. You, you can't control this thing. You, you might be able to manipulate it for a time, but ultimately it's going to bite you. It's like a pit bull. It's why it's so dangerous to assume that your nice, friendly Muslim neighbor or you know local kebab place business owner is you know because he's a cool guy that he's never going to turn on you. Correct, and that is that is why people are so. As like I said, Michigan. How could you say that about the Polish community? How could these Muslims all of a sudden start rioting? How could how could they be so ungrateful? Because they always were. It was in their nature. So long as they took us this religion. Now, yes, there are good people and bad people. They're religion. But the fact is, when you profess a religion, you you consent to its teachings. They could be a nice Satanist. They still worship Satan. The fact is, and then they hold to those teachings. Same with Muslims. Right. You might be a nice Muslim, but you still hold to a teaching that denies the human dignity of non-Muslims, does not value life, and teaches that you may do what you will to assert to benefit yourself and other Muslims, which would include killing, raping, and destroying other Muslims. And there's no sin involved in it. The only thing that stops you from reacting on that is your will. It is your choice. And once that, once you choose to change your mind, um, until you change it again, there's no way to stop you. Andrew, I know you've been working all night. Um, I'm going to let you go because I know you're tired, but I just, you know, do you have any parting thoughts on this issue? And I, I mean, I want to talk to you again, obviously, soon as this continues to unfold. But um, just anything you want to close with? Yes, I will say this Monday I'm putting out my book, Lines of the Faith on Amazon. I'd just like to say it's going to be an ebook format for Kindle. If you have one, please get a copy. And I'm not saying that just to promote myself. I'm saying that because today we live, as I said earlier, in an age of diabolical disintor- disintor- disorientation. disorientation. <laughs> that 14-hour shift is taking its toll. <laughs> it is taking its toll on me. We live in an age of disorientation. And the fact is, we need to look at the saints of the church as a model for how we need to conduct ourselves. Forget about Islam. It's good to learn about Islam. But the fact is, we need models in our own church to look at. Look at the lives of the saints. Look at what they did. Read about how they dealt with Islam. And start following in their example. Because we are either going to become saints and stand up to, the, and stand up to this Islamic threat, or if not us, our children are going to become Muslims bowing to the prayer call of Mecca. It's a sobering thought. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. With pleasure. You have been listening to the 1 Peter 5 podcast. This has been a production of 1 Peter 5 Incorporated. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. Please remember to visit us online at www.1peter5.com That's www.1peter5.com Peter 5, all spelled out, all one word, dot com. You can join our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash 1Peter5. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash 1Peter5. If you feel we've provided you with something of value, please hit our donate page and make a contribution. 
It not only helps pay for web hosting and the fine content we provide, but keeps food on our tables, coffee in our cups, and the lights on, which really helps us see what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojak. Thanks for listening.